Hey guys, I'm Caitlin Adams, and welcome to the Kirk Students Podcast. We're the student ministry from the Kirk Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you'll hear sermons from Josh Lyle, Colin Grant, and other guest speakers. You can look in the show notes for small group questions and talking points. Make sure you subscribe and share with anyone who follows Kirk Students. If you want to know more about us or get in touch, visit us at thekirk.com or follow us on Instagram at Kirk Students. Now, let's jump in. Hey guys, welcome to Communal Conversations. I have with me here my very good friend, Albion Johnson from Cleveland, Tennessee. She is a student pastor, social worker, wears tons of hats, um, but all around great friend and lover of Jesus. And so I will let her expound on any and all of that. So Albion, take it away. Hey, Josh, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I am the student pastor at First United Methodist Church in Cleveland, Tennessee, and I am a part-time social worker uh, with a nonprofit called Georgia Hope, which is a nonprofit that goes all over Georgia. It's really cool. Um, I'm a raft guide in the summers on the Ocoee River, um, and yeah, like you said, I wear a lot of hats, but <laughs> so it's all good things. One of the things we miss the most about Tennessee is just literally being able to have your kayak in your truck and just find a river and go in. Can't can't do that here in Tulsa. If you get in the Arkansas River, you you may die. Um, but we we miss being outdoors, and and I love that you do all these things. And hopefully, we can uh, get some perspective for our students and someone who is, um, you know, your post grad. You are actively leading a ministry, but you're also doing other things in the community. And so, what is the I guess the main? I mean, outside of Jesus, what's the main thing that keeps you going? Oh gosh, Starbucks. Starbucks. <laughs> yes. No, I'm yes. kidding. But um, I mean, yeah, the Lord obviously is the only one who can sustain and the only one who can mm. motivate and the only one who can move. And, you know, if you're not finding your rest in him, you're going to get burned out so fast. Um, so yeah, obviously the Lord. Um, and then I would say also probably my relationships. Um, you know, my boyfriend, he's amazing. Mm. Most incredible guy ever um I'm a little biased but um and I would say friendships and my family and um are all just so supportive and so um they pray for me and they love me and they support me and um I don't think I could do half of what I do without the support systems that I have in my life um so yeah yes your boyfriend Will J love him one of my best friends one of the best guys I know um, I know, so this won't be foreign to us here at the Kirk, um, but uh, some ministries maybe. Um, you said you're a student pastor and yeah. you are obviously a female. So what are some of the hurdles of that? Um, just being, a, I guess, a, a woman leading a ministry. We have uh, Caitlin Adams here and she is just lights out phenomenal, but I know she's had her uh, issues maybe early on and still might. Uh, she gets to preach for us this Sunday for Mother's Day. I'm so excited. Um, but um, what are some of those hurdles that you uh, face just being a woman in ministry, being a woman leading ministry? Um, yeah. What, what, are, what are some of those things? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it definitely varies um, depending on the church you're in and the denomination you're in. Um, and even the place in the United States or in the world that you're in. Um, and I would say um, it also depends on how old you are and all of that stuff. So there's a lot of variant factors, but I think it's something that women in ministry definitely um, will face hurdles and will face um, prejudice 
no matter regardless of where you're at regardless of what you're doing or where you're at um mm. there will always be people who will think that you're walking in sin and there will always be people who mm. are looking down on you because you are not interpreting the bible in the same way that they do and mm. um even even just little things of where um people in our church will go to my boyfriend to ask permission for stuff or to ask questions and they won't come to me. Mm. Um, and just the little respect things that you catch um, or like nobody would ever walk up to a male pastor and say, well, don't you think those pants are too tight? But like, that's something I get all the time. Wow. Um, and it's something that like, I'm, I don't, it doesn't even phase me anymore because my mom is in the ministry and she's a pastor and she's been senior pastor. She's been, she's been independent pastor. She's been an associate pastor, right. um, all over the country. And so I just grew up with people making comments to her about stuff and, um, her not being able to get certain church jobs because of her gender. Um, and so for me, it's just something that I grew up with that I just kind of acknowledged. And I'm like, you know what, this is a fact, this is a reality of life but it's not a reality that's going to change what the Lord wants to do. Um, hmm. Because there's nothing that anybody can put in your way that is going, that can keep you from the plans that the Lord has for you. And whether that be gender stereotypes or um, prejudice or whatever, they, I mean, there's nothing anybody can put on you or discriminate against you. That's hmm. going to keep you from what the Lord has for you. Um, and goodness. I, come on, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen people, men be, be humbled because they realize they're like, Oh, I didn't think you could do this. I didn't think you could preach because you're a woman. And then I saw you preach. Mm. Um, and they've come and they've repented to me. And I'm like, mm. like that, the humility, like I admire that like so much of you're willing to admit that like you were wrong about somebody. And we, we all, you know, do that with different people. We're all wrong about people. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely something that women will face in the church and will probably face in the church until the Lord comes back. Um, Cause that's just part of the society that we live in. And that's part of just part of the brokenness of this world. Um, but it's not something that should ever keep you from walking in the calling that the Lord has on your life. Mm. And um, it was really, it was, I have so many funny stories about it, but like there's so many times that I'll email somebody and I'll sign it, Albion Johnson, and I'll get a response. Hello, Mr. Johnson. And I'm just like, mm. <laughs> because they just assume that because I'm in ministry, I must be a man. And then they're so surprised when I'm not. And so, I mean, it's just a fact of life. It's just a reality of life that there's going to be discrimination no matter where you're at um, based on gender, color, whatever. There's always discrimination yeah. because we're people, we're humans, we're broken. Um, and it's just a matter of overcoming that and saying, well, you know, this isn't going to stand in the way of my calling. So mm. Yeah. So I love I love all of that except the one thing where you said about the tight pants because for those of you guys who don't know um, Albion <laughs> replaced me at First United Methodist Church and I constantly got comments about how tight my pants were and I, they were like you're wearing skinny jeans and I said no 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 they're slim fit taper cut it is it is a, a people still bring it up <laughs> it's it's pretty I mean any, anyways anyways it was. It was, uh, we, we were shifting maybe, culture. Maybe the tight pants was a bad example because people do still bring it up and they're like, yeah, I loved Josh. I just didn't understand why I had to wear such tight and, pants. And I was like, man, like they're Levi's, like they're the same pants you wore. They're just a different number. So <laughs> anyways, um, I, 
I know that there are several young women in our ministry that I think Caitlin and I both would affirm that they have a calling to ministry. Uh, but I, I think maybe we are more so, um, especially in 2020, 2021, we're aware of, of the hurdles that, that females are going to face in ministry. And I would hate for someone to look at our church or someone to look at our youth ministry specifically and think like, oh, we are, um, I don't know, male led because we're not. Um, that we are, you know, male accommodating because we're, we're just not like we, we're for all people in, in this, you know, the yeah. 12th grade. And, um, and so I guess my question, so, so hopefully that was affirmation for the, for the girls in our group. Um, but for the guys and for me still today, how do we, how do I come alongside you or come alongside other women in ministry and ensure that those hurdles are, if not completely taken away, at least shortened so that you can, so that you and other females can run in ministry and hit your stride and not have to worry about yeah. some of these, what, what can we do uh, as men in ministry to, to accommodate better? Yeah, I think there's a, uh, there's a lot of different things. Um, and I would say probably one of the main ones is just affirming identity in Christ and affirming calling. Because if you know that you're called to do something, you're not going to let things stand in your way because the Lord's going to move it or you're just going to ignore it. Um, <laughs> and so I think like affirming people's calling, even though other people in whatever ministry area that they're pursuing may not be affirming their calling and might be saying, well, you know, you're sinning, you're walking in sin by doing this, whatever, like saying like, no, you're not, you are called to this. This is why. And I think also like we need to have biblically literate people going into the ministry because mm. if, if I didn't know yeah. like what but the bible says about it i would have absolutely no rebuttal for people who say well i you're walking in sin and you shouldn't be doing this and women are called to listen and not speak and you should not be preaching you should not have a voice in this church and and to me like if i didn't know the bible i'd be like oh yeah you're right because there is a scripture verse that says that right like right. you have to know how to interpret scripture with scripture how how to read the bible how to study the bible like you have to have some kind of baseline knowledge of like, what do you say when somebody says that? Because they will say it. There, there will be somebody who says that to you. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting because the scripture you're talking about is in first Corinthians, I think like 14 or something. And, yeah. I, but that's also the part where it's talking about like, uh, like the, some of the gifts and like what that might look like and the Holy spirit mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Cause it's first Corinthians, what, yeah. 14, 14 or something. So um, we act as if this part of like, the women preaching in church is like what he said there is not is not transferable to today because we want women in church mm -hmm. at least the progressive churches but then we almost act like the first part of that chapter where like the holy spirit is moving among these people like well that's not for today like he's not doing that yeah I'm like no no no, no. yeah they're, they're doing both things and and both things are 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 have i don't know are both applicable today but i mean mm -hmm. the, those things are hard and I, I think the biggest one of the biggest threats to the ministry is not like lazy people coming in for vocation. It's people who don't know their Bible trying to teach. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I don't know, like that's, that has been, I think one of the biggest hurdles for the church as a whole oh, absolutely. is like, we, Oh, like, well, you know, because you're the pastor's son, you know, the Bible, that's not true. Um, and so like, Oh, let's give the, let's put this guy in ministry. Like, or, mm -hmm. or, you know, they've only ever seen one thing modeled for them. So let's put this person in ministry because this is what they're supposed to do. And that's, yeah. I, th I think it's killing the, it's killing the youth 
because oh, absolutely because they're three steps down from that they're they're receiving information that has been diluted two or three times to not even reflect what's accurate and then mm-hmm. we also just have the issues of the day where we have no idea what to feel or what to think and like you said if you're not if, if you don't know what the bible says about you you'll be a slave to whatever sounds right or whatever yeah. feels right um and then to the other extreme of that like if you are in a position of authority and you're putting your identity in the authority then you're at the the will of whoever gave you that authority so like if i'm if i'm standing in a yeah. pulpit that was given to me by a person that person can pull that pulpit away from me at any time but if i'm standing in a calling yeah. the Lord is given to me then nobody can take that away from me i can force that but nobody's gonna be able to take that away i, I love this i want to um and all of this, I don't, because I don't want this to just be about women in ministry. I want um, to to push just a bit. So you are at a traditional, solely traditional church, um, mm-hmm. and you followed, like I said, you followed me, and I didn't do things the the best way. I did the I did the best I could. I think. Um, yeah, how, I think you did. How um, is it being in you know the southeast United States? And a Bible, like, I mean, Chattanooga, Cleveland, that's the buckle of the Bible. But if it's not the buckle, it's certainly one of yeah. the notches. How is it yeah. being in a traditional church with a youth group um, when you are fighting against, I mean, you aren't, but the, but the traditional war, there's this worship war. Yeah. How, how, yeah, yeah. how do you sustain students in the, in the traditional mindset when you have a contemporary, you have several contemporary churches around you that they could probably go and have, I don't know, be enjoy, like enjoy it more. How do you... Yeah. Um, I don't know, I guess keep, keep them in because you've done a great job of sustaining and maintaining and growing what, what we've had. So how, how do you keep doing that? Thank you. Um, I think it's hard because honestly, personally, I connect better with the Lord through contemporary worship. Mm. So it's hard for me to then go and tell my students, well, you need to connect with the Lord in traditional worship when I don't even do that. Right. And I think it's part of it is just learning. Like you can connect with the Lord in any season. If you are in a season where you're in a traditional service, maybe it doesn't vibrate with you. Maybe it doesn't drive, but like there's still elements there that the Lord wants to teach you. There's still things that the Lord has for you there. And what can you learn in that season? Even if it's not ideal for you. And I think also like the Lord works through structure, right? Mm. So you go to a contemporary church and there's no structure. They just let the Holy Spirit lead. It's kind of wild, kind of crazy. And for some people, that's really awesome. And the Lord does move there. And I, I 100% believe that. I know that I've encountered the Lord in situations like that. But I also think that in traditional churches, the Lord still moves. The Lord is still active. The Lord is, the Holy Spirit is still coming and washing over his people. It's just through the structure. And so when the structure is disrupted, people notice, oh, the Holy Spirit's doing something. Mm. Or maybe one day we're saying the apostles creed and we've said it a billion times in the last year, but for whatever reason, the Holy spirit says, Hey, listen to this part. Right. Mm. Or, um, and I, I, I love our old hymns because the theology in the old hymns is so rich, right? right. Never about in our contemporary worship. And I, I love contemporary worship. I love Bethel. I love Stephanie Gretzing. I love elevation you know, love all of, all of contemporary music. I love it, but you have to be careful about what you're listening to because there are some songs that are so theologically incorrect, 
right? And it's like, oh, well, God's going to do this for me because I'm worthy. No, you're not. Right. <laughs> you just hope wrath. Right. Read the Bible, right? right. Like, right. Um, so I think in, in some ways, traditional churches make teaching theology easier mm. because we have curated our architecture for theological significance. Mm. Um, we have curated our services, just the order of service and how we structure our services. There's a theology behind that. Mm. And there's a theology in the music that we sing, even though it's in old English, it's kind of hard to understand it. There, there's parts of it that stick out to you that reinforce the theology that we're teaching. Mm. Um, there's creeds that we have that reinforce our theology. And so I know I could walk into my youth room and I could say, what do you believe? And they would say, I believe in God, the father almighty maker of heaven and earth and go through the whole apostles creed. And, which is so good because then when they're in school and their friends are like, well, why do you believe that stuff? What do you actually believe? Blah, blah, blah. They're able to go through it and say, well, these are the core, the core tenets of our faith. Hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, there's pros and cons to both different styles of worship. And I think it's important, honestly, to be in both regularly, because mm. what you get out of one, you're not going to get out of the other, but you're going to get other things out of the other. Um, and I think it's important to go and worship in ways that are different than we're used to, because then the Holy Spirit can open up our eyes to new things. And so I'm taking my confirmation class to a Presbyterian church to a church of God church to a charismatic Pentecostal church this summer for Sunday services so that they can experience a different style of worship and see what speaks to them the best and what, what do they get the most out of so that when they graduate, they already kind of know how to look for a church. They already kind of know what they like, but also they can say, well, they do this differently because of this and we do it because of this because our theology differs in these ways mm. um and you know theology is not the be-all end-all but i think something that we're really missing in our generation is good theology mm. and that's a, hu a huge part of that is biblical illiteracy people don't know their bibles people don't know what they believe they're just going to go along with the crowd and do bandwagon christianity and that doesn't work and so part of being in ministry is teaching, you know, have a relationship with the Lord, like have a healthy relationship with the Lord, pursue the Lord, read your Bible, be in prayer. Like apart from Jesus, no theology matters, right? Like there is no theology, no doctrine that you can have that you can know that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it doesn't matter. My whole lesson last night at youth group was about this and about how like there is one way to the father and it's not through good doctrine it's not through theology it's not through knowing how to pray perfectly it's not through serving your community it's through jesus right and all those things doctrine theology bible read, like all that is so important absolutely essential to a healthy walk with the lord mm. but if you don't if you do those things apart from jesus it doesn't matter it's worthless because mm. jesus is the only one that matters um and so you know cultivating relationship with Jesus, but also cultivating good theology so that when they face hardship, when they graduate, they can have, like Paul says, like have an answer for what you believe at mm. any time. 
Yeah, I know um, so, so many people in the traditional realm, they have a theology of the organ, but not a theology of Jesus or a yeah. theology of the, the creed. And they just know what it says. They don't know why it says it. And I think that's just as unhealthy yeah. going into the contemporary space because the music is really nice. Like that, like that, that's great. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we, <clears throat> I, I enjoy, I, for years, I, I was criticized for listening to Bethel. Um, and I was like, look, man, they do something better than anybody else has ever done. And it's wait on yeah. the Lord. Like they just wait. Yeah. They're like, we're going to sing yeah. until he shows up. And then we're going to sing. And like, and I love that. And like, what a great example. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, like it's never a bad idea to be called back to some sort of orthodoxy. There's never a bad mm -hmm. idea to be, to sing good theology. Like this is, is never a bad thing. So yeah. I, I think the value in this structure is strong. And I think that you should just teach a workshop on everything that you just said. Um, <sighs> and I would pay to go to that. Like there's, there's <laughs> value. Um, I don't know. And it's even like having families in worship, like having kids in worship mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Like there's value in yeah. that. People get annoyed. Absolutely. People get annoyed when the babies cry, but I'm like, no, there that's new life. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's where these things well, are. That's the future of your church. And right. if you want them to be raised right and, you know, no shade on children's ministries. I think they're great. They're wonderful. But if you're not having them in church, how do you expect them to sit in church as a 14 year old or as a 25 year old, if they can't sit in church as a six year old? Mm. No, I mean, so good. That's so, that's so, <laughs> so convicting for so many churches because, and, and, you know, we've talked about this as a family ministry, a family team, like how many, yeah. how many times do we see families, you know, essentially outsourcing discipleship for their kids? Like, oh, I'll just drop them off at youth group for two hours a week and like, that'll do it. And it's like, no, we need, we need more. Like we need the Sundays. We need like Mondays matter. Like we need, we need these. Yeah. I have um, two more questions because uh, I don't want to run over our time and then I'll, I'll do faves because all, all of us like faves. Um, mm -hmm. Here's the first one. What is the best sermon you've ever heard? Oh gosh. Oh my gosh. There's so many. Um I am, oh man, I'm a huge fan of Matt Chandler and Christine Kane. Mm. And I would say they are probably the two preachers that have impacted my walk with the Lord the most. Um, and, oh, there's so many. Um, Christine Kane's sermon at Passion a few years ago about, um, the the black box like where you um do photography yeah. and it has to sit in the dark yep. and the secret places with the lord and how you need to work through the things that you have with the lord before you can um be presented to the world and all of that stuff changed my life mm. um and then matt chandler oh he's got so many good sermons he i would say matt chandler is one of the best preachers on the conversation and the topic of suffering that I've ever heard of suffering mm. well of suffering in holiness um and of God's role in suffering I think um and I just love it because like you can go back gosh what six seven years now eight and watch on YouTube sermons he's preached about all kinds of things suffering and faith and whatever um while he has brain cancer yeah. right yeah. and 
I would, I mean, I, I love, I just love everything that comes out of that man's mouth, yeah. um, which it's is funny because is, the series they're doing now is, oh, is super intense and awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. He's just, that dude's just consuming commentaries and just, yeah. he, he is one of the best communicators of the gospel. I think I've, I've heard in a long, long time. I would agree. And he has a great series on um, sex and sexuality and sexual sins yep. um, yeah. that I watched a few years ago. And it's, it's like a three-part series. Yeah, they did and a book like out of it. Com- so I think Jordan and yeah. I wrote the, the mingling, of, mingling of Souls. Of mingling of Souls, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, completely changed how I view a whole lot of things. Um, and I mean, obviously, I like grew up a Christian. Like, I know you know, don't have sex, but like that sermon series was so formative in like the theology of sex and sexuality and sexual sins and homosexuality and all that stuff. Um, he's just a wealth of information and wisdom. Yeah. He's a gift Uh, church for sure. I I don't know how to choose just one sermon. (laughs) it It makes a difference too, that like he has insight into the things that he is sharing. So like he has gained authority to talk about suffering because he has suffered yeah. and he's gained authority to talk about intimacy because he, right. All, and, and things, yeah. things that we may also have. And, and I think a lot of, a lot of the, the hurdles in student ministry is like, um, I think I said this a few weeks ago, one of our sermons, like you, you know, you don't know enough yet and you haven't been around long enough yet, but you still have like your story, like your experiences that you are still forming that give you authority in certain spaces. Like if you've dealt with depression, you have authority to speak and do a mental health issue. If you've dealt with, um, I don't know, weight issues, or I don't know, just image issues, like Mm -hmm. you have authority to, to encourage uh, and to speak to people's lives about those issues. So here's my second question. Then we'll go to face. Um, that's the best sermon you've ever heard. What is, um, the best sermon this is going to be hard for you to answer and i know it already what's the best <laughs> sermon that you think you've ever preached oh or like the subject um, you think you preach best that oh gosh josh <laughs> I, know, I know um communal conversations is not easy for either party myself or the interviewee um, I would say I preached a sermon last the, uh, well, it was the November right before COVID. So what, not last November, the November before Yeah. on just like, it was just the very basic gospel message, but it felt like I was like, well, this is what the Lord's putting on my heart. And I used, um, I think it's first Timothy one where Paul says, um, God saved me the worst of sinners so that you might know that you have not fallen too far Mm. Um, and that I'm the worst of sinners. So you can definitely be saved because God saved me. And I talked about how like so many times we try to disqualify ourselves from the gospel and we say, Oh, well, God can't save me because of X, Y, Z. Well, God wouldn't forgive me because of X, Y, Z. And God can't forgive me because I can't even forgive myself. And we forget that the Lord is way bigger than us and any disqualifications that we might put on ourselves. Mm. And, um, like Paul those, said, like those there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. 
for sure. And, and those disqualifications, like we talked about earlier, they're not, sometimes those, those things we put on ourselves aren't even sin. Like how, how many yeah. women have this burning desire in their heart to be in ministry, but they feel like they can't because of their gender. Yeah. Or how many, yeah. how many uh, people of different races feel like, oh, I'm feeling called to this place or to this city or to this church, but there's no one that looks like me there. So I can't like, yeah. how do you, how do you stop before you even start? You know? And I, I yeah. that, that, man, that's a powerful message. Uh, I mean, there's, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And we, we disqualify ourselves so much and we're like, oh, well, God couldn't. And like, yeah, I, I think that would probably be my favorite sermon, um, that I, that I preach mostly just because it was the basics of our faith, but it was what like everybody needed. Mm. Um, cause I think we get so caught up in talking about, like, like I said, like theology or doctrine or how to's or well, don't do this, do this. And we forget like apart from Jesus, it doesn't matter. Mm. And without, without Jesus and anything that we're doing in our lives, all of it is worthless. Mm. And so like, um, so yeah, I would say that's probably, that's probably up there. Strong word. Well, we're going to do faves and I, I, cause you and I are friends. I actually have a few of them. Normally I only have like, I don't know, six or seven, <laughs> um, but I have a few here. So I'll start easy. Um, so okay. faves, I'll start easy for you. Uh, this might not be your favorite part, but this is always my favorite part. So if you've ever been on communal conversations and you're listening, I really enjoy this part. Um, <laughs> so what is your favorite subject in school or was your favorite subject in school? school like in high whatever. school? Yeah, whatever. High school, college, whatever. Um, I loved biology. Really? Um, Why is that? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I had a really great biology class and like the teacher was a farmer and he brought in like a giant cow's head and we dissected the brain and it was just fascinating. And it was so cool. So I did love biology in high school. Hate math. Math is the absolute worst thing that to ever happen to this world. (laughs) Oh, see, I loved math. I'm a math guy. Like Mm -mm. math math is just a language and I, and I speak it. I can't do it. Um, I love English, love reading. Yeah. See, I, hey, Matt. I I hated my English classes in college and in high school, or like just like my writing classes, because they would be like, all right, give me this 15 page paper, cite your sources. I'm like, just trust me. Like my sources yeah. are whatever you've given me. Like I'm just <laughs> here. And then it's like, well, MLA or APA or Turabian. I'm like, look, all these things. And then every week together. they change it. Yeah. And it's like, if we could just get all the citations together and have them fight in whichever one lasts, that's what everybody's going to use for the rest of time. Like there's yeah. whichever one. And if it's Turabian, do it again. I hate Turabian. <laughs> um, now people, so since I know you, but people listening, why not? I know that you've traveled a lot. So what is your favorite country that you've ever visited? Oh gosh. Um, I would say it's probably a tie between Italy and France. Mm, yeah. um, well, bread, those are the two places it? that I've lived a long time and so I and the food is just amazing both places um I love France for so many reasons um especially the butter and the Mm. bread and the (laughs) cream so the dairy (laughs) I think they yeah the dairy which is what I can't have now here in the states but Mm. um I, I love France. I love the French language. I love French culture. Um, I love Italy for the history and for the landscape. And 
I just love how in Europe you can just walk down the street and there's like a castle. You know, yeah, that's like we can't cool. do that here. Like here, like the oldest thing we've got here in Genesis is like what two hundred years old. Yeah, and then you're yeah. just walking down the street in France, and it's like, oh yeah, this is two thousand years old. This was here when Jesus was alive, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, what? So um, I've I would say I've, probably France, but Italy's a close second. So I, I have some friends who uh, are from Italy. And I find it so fascinating. And I feel like I say this a lot to like people who know me, but I find it so fascinating that the Italians of today used to be Romans. So but what yeah. I mean by that is this, the same people who invented crucifixion also invented the driving shoe and the driving glove. Uh-huh. It, that just feels like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, like the same people who like invented essentially like the most brutal things ever to exist also invented hand tossed pizza and so or yeah. like they also invented like the carbo load like it's just it's just very very yeah. interesting to me or like yeah like the same guys who invented yeah this like feeding people to lions they're like yeah let's do that first also invented like yeah. really tiny coop they just invented the coop they were like yeah. yep let's just have two doors on our cars that's all we need um and so i just i think that that both both murder and fashion come from the same place like that's it or like yeah anyways i think it's okay so what is your favorite (laughs) way it it boggles my mind like if you if you ever (laughs) if you ever say that like people can't change just look at the italians they've they yeah they they can change so uh, what is your favorite what is your favorite way to sabbath Ooh, um I would say there's two different ways. So I'm a raft guide on the Ocoee. So one of my favorite things to do to just like get away is go down the river because you literally cannot think about any other life stress because if you do, you might die, right? Mm. Um, so I love that for like escapism Sabbath. Mm. Um, if, or I will go to a coffee shop with my Bible and my journal and I will sit there for hours and hours and hours and just write and listen to sermons and um all that fun stuff I'm a big uh coffee shop person as you know if you follow me on Instagram for for any amount of time you know and like all of your uh your Instagram handle and stuff will be put in the show note thing so so our students can connect with you and um so yes I like coffee shops too I think escapism is huge like that's a lot of the reason why I run like yes it's to be healthy but also just like create some margin like yeah nobody's talking to me for 30 minutes or, or an hour yeah. or whatever. Um, what is your favorite book and or verse of the Bible or both? Favorite verse, favorite book, whatever. You got all the hard questions today, Josh. Um, it's faves. My favorite oh my part. Um, I would say, oh Lord, I don't even know. You don't have a favorite Bible verse? But I'm really bad at favorites. See, this is the thing because I got like a list of 20 Most running through my head are. and I can't. That's why this is great. Um, I would say my favorite Bible verse would be, um, it is for freedom that we have been set free, not so that we can be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Um, I don't know where that is. It's one of Paul's letters. Galatians. Galatians. Um, I hope. Because <laughs> I don't know Maybe. scripture memory either. People are like, you should memorize scripture. And I was like, I, think or it I, is. Just keep, I can just keep my Bible on me all the time. <laughs> that's, that's what I can do. Well, I have so many scripture verses memorized, but I don't know where they're from. Right. So like, 
I can cite scripture all day long and just be spouting scripture verses, but you ask me where where it's at, and I don't, I don't got nothing um, for you. Right, um, Chronicles. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, and I love Hosea. Mm. Hosea is a favorite. Why the Book of Hosea? Um, it's just such a poignant picture of Christ in the church. Um, I would say it's one of the best um, analogies for Christ in the church is the life of Hosea. Um, and I would also say that there's so much, uh, there's just so much that the Lord has taught me through that book. Um, just, I could go through it verse by verse and just tell you why it's amazing, but, um, I'll spare you. There's so much symbolism, right? So like you have like, yeah, uh, Hosea. So the first person ever named Hosea was his name was changed to Joshua, son of Nun. Mm-hmm um because moses was like nope don't like that let's do this um and so then you have hosea which means salvation and then the name gomer means completion. and so the salvation is completing the work right it's so much symbolism in the book of hosea i love uh hosea as well what is your favorite uh this is like a two-parter what's your favorite worship song right now or of all time and then what's like your favorite like secular song this is the harder question um the song that has been on repeat so I'm one of those people that like, I'll find a song that I love and I just won't stop listening to it for weeks and, weeks and then the I won't listen to it again for like yep. a year. Um, I would say the song I've been listening to um, lately is called Before and After by Amanda Cook. It just came out on Maverick yeah. City Music's new album and it has just wrecked me. I don't think I've turned it off in the last like four days. Mm. I've already cried to it multiple times. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the one that like has been on repeat right now. I don't think I have like favorite worship songs. It's just whatever is on repeat. Right, um, right, right. And then my favorite secular song would be a strong, I'm a huge country music fan. And so uh, it's a, it would be a strong tie between No Stoned Unturned by Randy Hauser. I don't know why. It's, I know it's about weed. I know I'm a youth yeah, pastor. I'm like, okay, I just love the sure. song. Sure. Um, or Tennessee Whiskey by Chris Stapleton. Or anything by Chris Stapleton, honestly. But Tennessee Whiskey is like, Tennessee Whiskey is the song that like when any of my youth or any of my friends hear it, they think of me. I don't know. Mm. I don't really know why. I just listen to it a lot. I like uh, that song. The Starting Over song by Chris Stapleton is pretty good. Um, I liked how he mm-hmm. did it at the, um, at the CMAs or whatever it was. The way he did it with him and his wife was great. Yeah. But also like Taylor Swift anything that she does i really enjoy like the folklore and uh everything. yeah i did like that album uh, she's just banger after banger all right two more faves uh what is your favorite book that is not in the bible since readers are leaders Ooh. um leaders are readers <laughs> gosh that's a hard one um shoot there's so many um i would say probably Um, Passion and Purity by Elizabeth Elliot is a huge, and that's been like a life-changing book for me. Um, and then Radical by David Platt. was good. Through the Gate by Elizabeth Elliot, that that changed a lot for me. That's crazy. I mean, any of her books really are just amazing, but Passion and Purity is one of the ones that like, I read it every year. Anytime I'm having boy problems, I just go back Mm. and read it. I don't have those right now because I'm like, well. I was going to say, Will J, (laughs) 
step it up. But I go back and read it anytime I'm having a hard time, like submitting things to the Lord. I go back yeah. and read it. I, that's the book that, like, I I keep that on hand. It is a well-worn copy of Passion and Purity. <laughs> My last fave. Uh, what is your favorite part of ministry? Oh gosh, um, I would say. It is so I, it's so rewarding to see how students grow. Mm. Um, and it just it just wrecks me um, when like we're in a youth meeting and I ask a question and one of our students responds and I can just tell that they've grown so much in their faith or um, when we're in worship and we were in worship gosh, it was right before COVID happened at a youth retreat and it was contemporary worship. And one of my students just raised their hands in worship. And I just, I'm in so falling. Right. Um, so I'd say like, and they don't even recognize the growth that they, that they have. But um, I would say when, when I am able to see them growing, even in little ways, even in just like how they respond to people hmm. um, or whatever, like, it just makes me so proud. I feel like I'm like, I'm a proud spiritual mom. Like, right. Um, right. No, that's yeah. good. We're not, not every, we're not always blessed to be able to see the fruit of our labor, but sometimes we get a little glimpse and it's, it's enough. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, good. absolutely. It's the most rewarding thing. That's good. So um, I do have one more question because uh, we have like okay. two more minutes, I think is what it's saying. Um, if you could just leave like one final word of advice to, to our students or to your students or to just whoever, like mm -hmm. you're just what, what would it be? Um, I read this last Sunday in service over our seniors. Let me see if I can find it. Um, it's from Colossians chapter two verse six and it says so then just as you received christ jesus as lord continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness and i would say thankfulness is the um antidote to depression it's the antidote to anxiety it's the antidote mm. to despair thankfulness mm. is what will pull you out and um we have so much to be thankful for in the lord but also like you've received your, you've received Christ and, um, you know him. And so just continue to live your lives in him, um, as you were taught because you were taught well and mm. take what you've taught and move with it. Don't just sit with what you've taught. You were taught to go. Um, and as disciples, we have, we have been commissioned to go with strength and with courage, um, and with boldness, but also with a lot of thankfulness. Um, because thankfulness is what will get you through. Gratitude is is a really, really powerful tool. Um, That's a good word. Yeah. That's a good word. Well, Albion, we love you. I honor you. I think that you are fantastic and wonderful and beautiful and lovely. And I'm so grateful for you and uh, for what you bring to the kingdom and for all the things that you are doing. Um, and so, like I said, we will put all of your uh, contact stuff in the show notes so that hopefully some of our uh, students or whoever's listening to this will reach out and uh, maybe encourage you or uplift you or you can do the same for them but we love you and um, I'm so grateful to know you and um, we will talk soon I love you a lot see ya thank you so much